the 26th of April, 2007, episode 75. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. When we get our workflow processes in place, it can actually have a negative effect on our working habits in terms of learning new methods or finding new workarounds for what we're doing. This may sound kind of strange, but the more we get into a pattern of retracing our footsteps on each new project, the more we leave behind in our applications. Today we're going to talk about getting more out of the tools that you use on a daily basis. If you have not yet heard the good news, uh, CS3, Adobe C Creative Suite 3, is now shipping. They're shipping the design, uh, I think the regular design and design premium suites, as well as the web and web premium. I think there's two versions of that one. Uh, definitely two versions of the design one, though. The design one is uh, Photoshop Illustrator, InDesign, uh, Flash, Dreamweaver, in Acrobat and the web one is pretty much the same, but they take out InDesign, they put in fireworks and contribute. So, um, basically depending on what, what kind of work you do, you can choose between those two. Uh, the two that aren't out yet, the production suite, which is the video tools and the master collection, which is, uh, every single thing they make. So if you're super into Adobe and use everything they make, the master collection will be coming out. Uh, I don't know, probably a couple months or so, two, three months, I think is what they were saying. So you might have to wait a little bit on that. Uh, another big release is Final Cut Studio number two. And they have the same old, the same usual suspects in that. That comes with Final Cut Pro 6, uh, the third version of Motion, Soundtrack Pro number two, Compressor 3, and DVD Studio Pro 4. And it also includes a new new member to the set there, which is called Color. And basically, it's just a, a huge tool for adjusting color and uh, fixing color in video. And basically took some of the tools that were in Final Cut Pro and moved them out into a big, super huge, robust application of its own. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, you can get this one for, if you buy it brand new, if you've never had it before, you can buy it for uh, $1,299. Uh, the upgrade prices are, of course, much better. If you can, you can actually upgrade from just having Final Cut Pro itself or from having a production suite before, and it's $699 for those. Or if you had uh, Final Cut Studio number one, then it's only $499. So that's a, a definitely a good deal if you have that. But uh, uh, I encourage everybody to go up to the Apple website and check out all the new features and these things as well, because, uh, these, these applications just get better and better. And, uh, they really have some competition coming up, I think with the new uh, Adobe production suite, when that comes out, it has some very, very nice things in it. And another thing to mention is there's all kinds of, uh, online seminars going on for the Adobe products that are coming out. So definitely go up and check out some of those things. They're all free. You just got to sign up for it. And they do it through uh, Breeze, or what they're now calling Adobe uh, Acrobat Connect, I think is what, what it's called. But it's basically Breeze if you've ever, ever attended a Breeze seminar, e-seminar. And they go over the features and they show you some of the new stuff. And it's really, there's very cool stuff. 
uh, Encore, which is Adobe's version of DVD Studio Pro, did this really cool thing. Of course, they in integrated Flash into pretty much everything because they just bought Macromedia, and that was probably the main reason they bought Macromedia. And when you make your DVDs, you actually have the option of you know making your DVD, or you can con convert the whole file into a Flash file and put it on a web page. Thus, you're seeing everything that you would see on your TV from the DVD. You'll see that all on the web page. You get the menus and all that kind of stuff, slideshows, movies, everything. So it was very cool stuff. But uh, as far as editing goes, I think Final Cut Pro, in my opinion at least, is light years ahead of Premiere. And you'll find that uh, most studios that are using that kind of system for editing now, they use Final Cut Pro instead of Premiere. But uh, Adobe's products are really coming up, I think. And uh, they are making them for the new Intel Max too, which Premiere was always only for the PC. So we'll see what goes on with that. But uh, definitely some some new developments, some good programs coming out here. And uh, like I always say, the competition is good. It's good if uh, Premiere or the production studio or production suite, whatever they call it, is, is coming out with these great new features because it's going to push Apple to make more new features for the Final Cut Studio. And then they'll just go back and forth until both of the products are very good. Talking about the uh, Adobe Production Suite, a couple of things in there. After Effects and Premiere, they now have betas up in the uh, Adobe Labs. And I think that's labs.adobe.com, I believe is what the web page is. Uh, I will have everything that I'm talking about here, all these web pages, I will put links up for you in the show notes. You can always find that at rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. So if you, uh, if you don't catch everything that I say here, just go ahead and go up to the website and there'll be links to that stuff. But uh, yeah, they have betas out now because the production suite is going to be, uh, isn't going to be out for a couple of months. So you can actually download the CS3 versions of these two programs and start messing around with them. So uh, hopefully you'll know how to use all the new features by the time they get by the time they get out. So uh, definitely go and check those out as well. Betas are always nice. Uh, get to ramp up your skills on things for free. And uh, if you don't have, if you're not maybe if you're not planning on getting the CS3 versions. It's a good way to, uh, as we said before, get up there and learn what's new in there so that you don't kind of fall behind. For the show, as always, I want to ask you to tell a friend or tell a stranger about this podcast. Tell somebody that you think can benefit from listening to it. Tell them about the podcast. Tell them where it is and tell them how to subscribe to it if they don't know how. And you'll be doing us a big favor. Uh, the email program. This is where I ask you to send a, a beaming letter of uh, acceptance for this show uh, to an editor of a magazine or a website or some something to that effect. Now, I said I was going to kind of change it up this time, and the way that I'm doing that is we're not going to do a design publication this time. We're going to do an actually one that's geared towards blogging and podcasting, and this is something I got an email about just the other day. It's a brand new magazine called Blogger and Podcaster Magazine. So I'm going to ask you to send a letter to them. Again, same old stuff. Just uh, whatever you want to say about this show, please uh, put a link in there so they know where to find it. But just let them know what you think about this uh, podcast, if you think it's a good resource, and uh, you think that maybe they should write something about our uh, about our podcast in their publication. 
okay, to send an email to this person. And this, this one's kind of uh, funky, so I'm going to have to read it letter for letter. But again, you can also find this always up in the show notes. But the email is uh, asaita at larsten.net. And that's L-A-R-S-T-A-N dot net. One more time, A-S-A-I-T-A at Larston, L-A-R-S-T-A-N dot net. And uh, again, you can find that on the website. It'd be a lot easier probably to just go click on the link and uh, it'll populate the email for you. So please do that for me. All right, last piece of business is our sponsor. And our sponsor, once again, is GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is a great piece of software that will allow you to hold meetings with other people who can't, uh, you know, physically be in the same office or room with you at the same time. But it makes you feel like you're in the same room because basically you get to share your screen with them. And what does this mean to you? Well, if you need to show somebody something on your computer in an application, you can do that. They log into uh, their their browser and they can watch everything you're doing on your computer. Uh, they're there is a possibility that you can actually pass the controls to them. You pass the the mouse and keyboard and they get to kind of give their take on things and everybody can see that as well. Uh, They also have uh, flat fee pricing, which means you don't have to worry about how long your meetings are. You can just do your meeting, get everything done that you need to get done and know that you're not being charged by the minute so that you have to, you know, shorten it up or anything like that. But just uh, the ability to host meetings like this is very key. And I've said it before, but we use this at my work. We actually do uh, webinars for it and get a bunch of people on and show them how to use our online application. And they get to ask questions. They get to see somebody going through it firsthand, which helps them understand what's going on a little bit, a little bit better rather than, you know, trying to explain something to somebody over the phone. You know, it's just some people are visual learners. I'm very much that type of person. And when I have something in front of me showing me exactly what's happening, it makes it that much better for me. So if you want to check this software out, They have a 45-day free trial. Just go to gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomeeting.com forward slash podcast. And uh, fill out a little form and you'll be able to try that software. Now, I want to put this note out there one more time just because uh, I know there's lots of Mac users out there. And I don't want you guys to be too disappointed. But you can't actually host meetings from a Mac computer. So you won't be able to to download the software and install it and use it that way. Now, if somebody else invites you to a meeting that's hosted by GoToMeeting, you can attend it because you just have to log in with a browser. You can attend them. Uh, As I said before, I think last week I said I talked to customer service and they assured me that there is a Mac product, product on the way. But as of right now, the only way you can get it on a Mac is if you have an Intel Mac and you're using Bootcamp or Parallels and you have Windows installed on there as well because you do need Windows to actually install it, run it, and host the meetings yourself. All right, so our topic for the day. We're going to be talking about getting the most out of your applications as you possibly can. We all use, uh, I'd say most of us use, but pretty much all of us probably use like Photoshop, um, maybe less of us use Illustrator, but just let's take Photoshop for instance. There's just a wealth of knowledge in this thing. There's so many features and functions and tools and filters and all kinds of things. And it's 
it's almost impossible to know everything about it. And I think it's almost, I equate it to our brain. People always say we only use like a very small percentage of our brain. And I think most people out there working in design probably only use a very small percentage of what's actually available to them in Photoshop. And there's certain reasons that, that this is the case. And we're going to be talking about some of those today and trying to uh, get around that, trying to avoid it and uh, make that a, a non-truth, I guess. So the first thing that we need to do really is take off the blinders. I've said it before, but as, as designers, sometimes we get in a certain mode. We take this certain path and, and we don't look around. We kind of get, we get our heading and we start moving in that direction. We don't, we don't get, we don't get off that path. We just keep going in a straight line and it's, it's an easy thing to do especially when there's nobody around you that you're taking work to and saying, Hey, what do you think about this? Or nobody just offering their opinion to you. It's very easy to just move in that direction. Even if there are several people, if there's a few people working on a project, it can even happen that way too. But it's just the way that we work. We get used to doing things. We get processes, we get workflows and we do things the same all the time. Sometimes we really need to, fall out of those routines because staying in them is, is just kind of a bad thing for us. If we don't have to think about what we're doing, that's obviously bad. We always want to think and plan out everything that we do because it's going to help us get to that good result that we want. So we really need to unlearn what we have learned. And I don't mean that to say that you need to forget stuff that you know, because that's obviously not the case. You always want to keep the knowledge that you have. You just want to maybe uh, try and find new different ways to uh, get about, get to that result that, that don't, don't really include tracing those same footsteps that you always take. You don't want to get too comfortable because when we're comfortable, we're not moving forward. We're not learning new things. We're not trying new techniques. We're just doing the same thing that we always do. And yes, it is comfortable. You don't have to think too much. It's much easier and sometimes easy is good. Sometimes you get a little burnout and you just want to go through the motions. But we're not going to get our best artwork. We're not going to get our best product if we're comfortable. Now, one thing, one caveat to this, I guess, is to say that you don't want to hurt your workflow by messing around. If you have something that's on a tight schedule and you need to get it out, and the best way you know to do this is to use that routine that you follow, that workflow that you always follow, those same steps, then definitely do that. If you don't know another way to get things done that's just as fast or maybe faster, then use your regular workflow. You don't want to make things late. You don't want to throw a monkey wrench into your whole process trying to find some new way to do something. That's non-productive. So definitely don't, don't hurt your chances of being successful on your project just because you want to try something new. That's, that's not the message that we're sending here. This is something to do when you have the time to do it. So the next section I have here is entitled, Duh. So let's say uh, a regular scenario, we go out and we, we buy uh, a new TV. Let's say a new TV. The flat panel TVs are all the rage these days. You buy a new TV, you get it home, open it up. First thing you want to do is hook it up, right? There's probably a big, huge manual that comes with this thing. Do you read the manual? Probably not. People don't usually take the time. And 
This is a big reason you'll find that a lot of products these days have the quick start guide, which is usually just a piece of paper that's folded up into like four. You know, you open it up, it looks like a little poster and it gives you like five steps to set up your thing very quickly. Yeah, they do this because they know nobody reads the manuals. But, you know, of course, by law, they have to put the manual in there. Otherwise, you know, if they don't tell you what to do and you break it, then it's their fault, right? Anyways, back to the point. Nobody reads manuals. Nobody wants to take the time to read a book about a TV they just bought. And uh, this is probably the case with you and your software as well. Now, some of the software packages used to come with books with them. And some of them actually still do, I believe. But uh, this is a great resource for you. It's free. If you don't know how to use the application, then you need to be using this because this is like your user, user manual. This shows you basic steps of how to get into this software and start using it. So you need to use that. Another thing is the help files. Help files most times are pretty good. There are some applications that still put their help files in like a PDF. Uh, I know the Final Cut Pro did, did this in the last version. And it, it gets kind of annoying that way because it's it's just harder to use. You have to search and use the weird links and all that kind of stuff. But most of them are good. Uh, applications like Flash. Flash has a very good help system. Um, the Photoshop ones, all the Adobe ones are pretty good these days. So definitely use that as well. I mean, that's, that's really your owner's manual is the help guide. Uh, you can type in anything you need a tool name, a function name, filters, something like that. And it'll tell you what the thing does, what it's for, and how to use it. And probably will tell you in a couple of different ways. So definitely, you know, use that user manual, use the help files, use any books that come with it. Uh, a lot of the software nowadays doesn't come with books anymore. It actually comes with a CD full of uh, tutorials or software, like learning software. Use that too. Uh, I know the CS2 came with, uh, who did it before? Total Training, I believe. And they gave you like 10 or 15 hours of training. Uh, I believe lynda.com is the one that's actually going to be in the box for CS3. And I've already heard that there are there are training CDs in there. So use that stuff. I mean, this is free resources for you. This is stuff that usually you'd have to pay for. When all else fails and, and you really need to know how to do something in your software, just Google it. And Google is great because you can type in, you could basically type in a question. But just get those, make sure you get the keywords in there, like uh, the name of the filter that you have a question about, how to use it, the version of Photoshop that you're in, just anything you can think of, type it all in there. And most times you're going to find, you'll find some site that maybe has a tutorial you might find a, uh, a forum where somebody asked a question. Maybe they asked the same exact question that you asked and somebody has an answer to it. But very good ways to find answers to your questions uh, if you have them about your applications. And find resources like the one you're listening to. Now, we don't go over a lot of tips on this one, but we do discuss some things. And uh, Quick Tips is a great one, you know, and there's, there's other video podcasts out there. There's a... Uh, Many of them that go over the Adobe Creative Suite, but I think for most applications out there, you can find a podcast. It might not be a video podcast. It might just be a regular podcast, but usually they're going to have a blog to go with it with some tips on there or just find websites. There's websites all over the net with tutorials. Again, they might not be video, but they 
there'll be written out tutorials, give you screenshots, show you how to do stuff. And this is, this is another great way to learn how to use those applications. And like I said, a lot of times we're not learning, you know, how to use it. Sometimes we're learning functions that maybe we didn't know were there, or maybe we've just never used because we didn't know how to use them, which is, is a bad excuse, but we're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it too. I do it. I do it myself. There's things in these applications that I've never even heard of before and it shouldn't be that way. So this is what we're talking about. And that's, those are great places to find it. Um, a couple of them come right with the software. So you should have no problem using those things. Uh, the others, you kind of got to look for it a little bit. You got to search for it, but still you're going to be better off for it. If you do search for those things and find them, because uh, it's all right there at your fingertips, really. I mean, there's there's just so so many free resources out there for you now that there's really no excuse not to know about something that you want to know about. It's easy to find the answer. The next thing you want to do is uh, don't be shy. Don't be shy when using your applications. Nobody's watching you um, unless you're making a video podcast, and then you should probably know your stuff. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, from time to time, you might have somebody looking over your shoulder at what you're doing, but for the most part, and you're probably not going to be trying new things when they do that. For the most part, you're going to be by yourself. And when you have some free time, you should really experiment. It's okay. It's okay if you don't know what you're doing. If you're using some kind of function in an application that you've never used before, just go ahead and try it out. It doesn't matter that you don't know how it works. Now, of course, it helps, like I said, to go to the help section and maybe read a little bit about it first or read in a book or on a website or something. But it's also okay just to try and use it and see what it does. Use it in different situations and, and see what the outcome is. And that will also, I mean, you can read all about things like this, but if you don't actually try it, it might be hard to know exactly what it does or what you can do with it, how it can benefit your workflow. So definitely get in there and try things out. Experiment with functions, with filters, with tools. Uh, there's even tools that that probably a lot of people don't use. Tool, the tools that are hidden underneath other tools. Those are probably the most common ones that people overlook, just because they're not right there in your in your site as you're using the application. Which sounds like kind of a dumb reason, but that's the way people are. You know, if it's not if it's not right in front of you it's not screaming out to be used, then a lot of times it won't be used. So definitely experiment with these things. Filters is a big one too, because filters, I mean, you can read about filters, but really to, to understand the power of them, to understand what they do, you got to use them. And I think one of the best additions to, I think it was Photoshop CS2, might've been CS1, uh, the filter gallery. And not all the filters are in the filter gallery, but the filter gallery is cool because you have them all right there at your disposal. So you bring your photo up and you can change in between the, the filters very quickly and easily. Where in old Photoshop versions, you'd have to put it on and then say, no, that looks funky. And Command Z and then try another one. No, that looks weird. Command Z. You know, and you couldn't actually adjust the settings. And well, you could adjust the settings and see a preview, but you actually had to, uh, many times you had to actually accept it to be able to see what was going on. But uh, I thought that was a good innovation for you to be able to try things out. Uh, when I was in school, they said, uh, don't just go through and try out every filter. But I think at some point you need to do that just to find out what they do. Now, you don't want to be in, you know, you don't want that to be a step in your 
your project workflow where you're like, okay, let's see which filter is going to look best on this thing. And you go through all of them. I think you do that once or twice to get an idea what they do. And then you should know which one is going to serve the purpose that you need. And this really is the only way you're going to learn how to use these things by doing it yourself, except for when you use tutorials. And like I said, video tutorials for me are always the best because you can see what the person is doing. Now you always want to make sure that you go ahead and do it yourself as well. But being able to see it firsthand, you know, going back to that same thing like filters and seeing how they can be used and what they can do to an image when combined with other things. Obviously, if you're watching that, it's a little easier to get a good idea of what's going on there as opposed to if you read it in a book. But tutorials, great way to learn these things too. But with that, I ask you this question. How do you think those people that do the tutorials, how do you think they learn this stuff? They probably didn't read it in a book. These are the people that write the books that we read. Most likely they went into the application and they tried things. And sometimes it failed. Sometimes it failed miserably and looked horrible. But, you know, it's a trial and error process. And once you get through that, those, those bad stages, you'll find something that works out pretty good. Now, of course, these people that make tutorials, or some of them at least, this is their job. So, you know, they probably don't do a whole lot of designing these days. Some of them do, and, and that's another way to actually figure out what these things do and how they can help you, is actually you have to be designing a piece so you know what it does and you know what you're looking, what kind of uh, outcome you're looking to produce, and then you use these tools to get there. But some of these people, you know, that's that's almost all they do. So they have lots of time to snoop through and check out all the functions and, and all that kind of good stuff. So this is why it's okay to rely on these people. You know, they do this for a living. They should know all these great tricks and, and tips and it's, it's okay for us to get those from them. But if we have time, you know, you should go in and you should try some things yourself because you know, you never know, you might come up with something that nobody else has before. And that can be something, uh, something that defines you, something that, that makes you better. Uh, I alluded to just then snooping around applications. And I think I've mentioned this before. Make sure you go through all the menus, go through all the tool palettes. Make sure you know everything that's there. And I guarantee this could be some homework. Go, go open up Photoshop and maybe, should we say tools or menus? I'd say one or the other. Either go through all the menus and check out all the items on the menus. Actually, you could probably just pick like three different menus. Or go through all the tools and check out all the tools, all the ones that are hidden underneath. I bet there's going to be at least one thing that you don't know what it does or how it works. Because that happens with me. <laughs> That's the only reason I say that. And I've been using Photoshop for a long time. But in most cases, people haven't checked out every single thing. It's just not normal. You know, most people haven't checked out everything. There's just, there's a wealth of knowledge. There's so much stuff in these programs that, you know, there's things in there that most people probably never need to use, much less use all the time. So uh, just snoop around and see what's there because sometimes you'll find things that are useful that you didn't know were there that can actually help your workflow and speed things up a little bit. That's happened to me a couple of times. Just because, you know, sometimes Adobe will hide a menu or something in a weird place or something that you think should be turned on all the time isn't turned on and it'll be something very useful. So definitely snoop around in the palettes and the menus 
in, in the tools as well and, and figure out how to use some of these things because they will be useful to you. The keys to the game. Our key command for today is to add a bullet point in InDesign. Bullet points in InDesign CS3, they're actually finally going to have a auto bulleting kind of thing, kind of like Word, to where you can set it up and, and bullet things that way. In the old days, though, we actually had to make our own bullets, and there is a key command for that. And the key command is Option and the number eight, and this works for both PC and Mac, and that is in InDesign. Uh, I believe it. W I believe it's the same for Quark Express. Not sure if it is in Mac. I'm pretty sure it is. No, wait. Maybe it is. No, it is on the Mac. Isn't in Windows, I believe. But anyways, let's just say for the sake of being right, in InDesign it works for both. So that's Option and 8 to put a bullet. So we kind of talk specifically about ways to really start getting more out of the applications that we use and where to look for that help, where to look for the guidance of how to use these things. Now I just want to kind of talk more in general terms about what we do in our workflow and about how we go about working. So we really need to try and go beyond the norm. We want to break out of the routines that we have. We tend to set up, you know, refined processes and by doing this, you know, we get into, like I said, we get into these traps where we're going down the same path all the time. What if we could take that workflow that maybe has several steps to it and cut some, cut some of those steps out by doing things differently and take that quickest path to our destination? That's what we want, right? We want to make good designs, but if we can, we want to make them even faster so that we can put out more or so that we can make more money by taking on more jobs because we have more time. We want that quickest path to that end product that we need. And learning new functions, learning new things that can help you speed up that workflow, that's going to help you do that, of course. Now, a couple of cliches that we hear all the time, think outside the box. I want to kind of relate it to that, but I'd say think outside yourself. Maybe the first thing to do is say, okay, I have this project. This is how I would usually do it. And then kind of step outside of that and say, well, what if I came at it from a different angle? What if I did this first instead of this? You know, try and start analyzing the way you do things. And if there's a way maybe to do it a little bit better, a little bit faster, just try and get out outside of yourself almost and find these things that you can change that you think might help actually speed up your workflow or maybe even make you end up with a better result at the end. We've talked a lot about when we start a project or actually before we start a project, we really need to brainstorm. We want to do thumbnails. We want to make a plan of attack. Well, the same thing goes for how we're actually going to go about getting from the beginning to the end of this project. We need to have a plan of how we're going to do this and dissecting how we're going to do it is going to help us do that. If you don't have a game plan, what you're going to do is you're just going to do the same thing that you always do. You're going to walk that straight line. If we step outside and, and we kind of look at things first and come up with a game plan to maybe do things differently, then it's, it's not going to be that same routine that we always have. We always want to strive for the ultimate knowledge. 
like I said, nobody, I guess I can't say nobody, but it's highly unlikely that many people know everything there is to know about Photoshop or know everything there is to know about Illustrator. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's too time consuming. Every time there's new updates, there's just new, more new stuff in there. And like I said, there's some things in there that most people won't need. But, you know, you want to strive for the ultimate knowledge and just deal with what you can absorb. You can only take in so much, right? And only so much of that you're going to be able to use all the time. So things might fall off too. You might, you might lose certain knowledge. But, you know, just deal with what you can absorb, but always try and absorb more and more. Don't just get a certain skill set and say, well, that's fine. You know, I know how to do this, this, and this, and that will get me through, you know, all these projects that I have to do. Always be looking for something else. There's always something else you can learn there that will either help you out, make you a better designer, or like I said, cut some time off that workflow and help you make more money. The more you know, the better equipped you're going to be, be able to deal with design problems. Some design problems come up and the regular way that you get around these or get through them may not work. So you want to have a backup plan. You want to have multiple workarounds so that you can deal with any design problem that comes up and uh, be able to do it with ease. So we really have to dare ourselves to work in a different way on a consistent basis. If you always take the same approach, you're more likely to reach the same result which will result in you having stale artwork because everything's going to come out the same. And I think you're going to see your work kind of declining, which is another reason that we always say, go outside and get another opinion from somebody else who's not, you know, involved in the project. When you're involved in the project and you're involved in creating, it's very hard to see what's going on from the outside. You get so immersed in it. I think I gave this, uh, example before, but when I was in a band, when I listened to bands, you know, I could hear certain things and I like this and I don't like that. But when I actually got in that band, you're just so immersed in it. You're analyzing, you're overanalyzing every single little detail so much that you can't step back and just take in the whole thing all at once as somebody would that, that wasn't involved in the project. You don't see it in the same way. So sometimes it's good to get that outside opinion from somebody to uh, really mix things up. But the thing that we can do ourselves, again, is to try and step outside of ourselves and try and view it that way. It's You're probably not going to be able to do it, but if you try and change things on purpose, you're, you're definitely going to get some kind of difference in the end result than if you just take that same path all the time. Knowing more about how the applications work, allows us to better leverage the functions and features in a way that benefits our final output. If we know how a certain filter works and what its purpose is, then that gives us the ability to use that when we know we need that certain effect, but it also allows us to use it in conjunction with other things that we also know how they work because we know, okay, A plus B is going to give me C. And it allows you to use these filters in ways that maybe they weren't intended to be used. But the only way you know how to do that is if you know what that thing is meant to do, or you know what it, what it actually does, what it's made up of. So it's going to help you better. Remember, with all of this that we talk about, I've been talking about software applications a lot in the last few weeks. You always have to remember, though, that applications are only tools. 
They're not going to spawn a great idea, a great design idea. They're not going to create a great design idea. It's just a tool that you use. All these great ideas still come from us. We still have to have the vision. The tool is what helps us get that in a, in a format that can be consumed by others, that can be you know, looked upon or listened to, viewed, whatever, whatever it might be. But just remember that the software is the tool. But if you know how to use the tools, that helps you build up your ideas. It helps you improve your workflow, make things go faster, make things more efficient. And it helps you eventually to make the big bucks, which is what we all want, right? Now, that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our tip for today is to not lose sight of good tips. And I'm not necessarily referring to this tip in, in general here, or these tips that I give you, but any tips. I think software tips really are the biggest thing, though, and that's really what I'm talking about here. There's so much out there. You get so many tips all the time that it's easy to, to lose them, to forget about them. So I say write them down. Save them somewhere. Definitely use them or at least try them once when you can. If you're watching some video podcast or something and you see a tip and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Make sure you try it. Try it yourself. And then once you try it, you'll know if that's something that you think you're going to be able to use, something that's going to benefit you. You'll know that. And you also know how easy or hard it is to do and how much time it's going to take you. And that'll let you know also whether you're actually going to use it or not. And then you'll know whether it's worth saving or not. Uh, I actually went and got out, got some uh, composition books and, you know, I intended this to be, okay, one's going to be Photoshop, one's going to be Illustrator and design and anything that I like, you know, as I'm watching things like Photoshop TV, as I'm watching uh, the InDesigner, some of these other good podcasts. Uh, I also watch lynda.com videos. There's a really good tip that I find in those things. Just jot it down, you know, so, so that it's there so I can go back and find it again because trust me, once you start going to seminars and watching uh, e-seminars and videos and reading tutorials and books and all this stuff, it's going to be very easy for you to forget these things because it's, uh, there's just too much. There's too much out there. And you're not going to be able to use all of them all the time. And when you don't, when you're not able to use them all the time, you know, there'll be those tips that are just the greatest tips that you use every single day. And of course those will stick with you because you use them all the time, but there's going to be some really cool tricks that, that only work in certain situations. So you can't use them all the time. And these ones are the ones that you probably forget. So make sure you write them down, do something like that. Uh, like I said, composition books is what I got. You know, you can get some kind of pad of paper. You can save them in a text file. Uh, if you're uh, HTML buff, you can actually make a little web page for yourself. Anything that you can do to just help yourself remember something that'll spark a memory of what that tip actually was and, and let you know how to do it again. But like I said, make sure you at least try them once. That way you'll know whether it's a good tip for you or not, whether you're actually going to use it or not, because there's no sense in writing down a million tips, just everything somebody says, if you're not even going to use it. Just make sure you, uh, you save those ones that you think are going to be useful to you. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our resource for today is a blog 
from the author of Real World Illustrator. I was, I've been trying to look for some uh, resources for Illustrator because there's not a whole lot out there. There's the, uh, uh, what's it called? Illustrator Techniques magazine, I think, which is more like a flyer than a magazine. It's usually only about 10 pages long. Good stuff, but, uh, you know, there's just not a whole lot of Illustrator stuff out there. So, like I said, this is from the author of Real World Illustrator, which is a big, thick book on Illustrator. Very good one. His name is Morty Golding, and this is uh, his blog. He also have a, has a podcast that he just started, and it's called the Real World Illustrator Podcast, so you can search for that in iTunes. But if you go to his website, which is at uh, RW, that stands for Real World, rwillustrator.blogspot.com, you'll see he has uh, different articles. He also has, a, it's called Illustrator Techniques, and it's some tutorials or some uh, commentary about how to do certain things in Illustrator, and all kinds of other great resources there as well. And like I said, he has the uh, the podcast to go with it, which just started. There's only like two episodes or something like that, and actually the first one wasn't Real World Illustrator. I'm not sure what it was, maybe one of his other creations, but... He's going to be giving uh, Illustrator video tips on that podcast and as well as some other Creative Suite stuff. So uh, good little resource for you. If you use Illustrator a lot, you might want to check it out. And uh, again, you can find that that actual URL in the show notes, rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. So you can go there and click on it if you don't want to uh, type it in yourself. All right. So that's about it for this time. I want to thank everybody for listening as always. Uh, thank you for the emails and the MySpace messages. Of course, I always try and get those back to you as soon as possible. If for some reason you sent me an email and never got a response, that is unusual. Um, something might have happened in the transfer or something like that, and I would apologize for that. If you have a question, though, you can email me at adam at rookiedesigner.com. You can go to myspace.com slash rookie designer and send me a message that way. And I usually, it usually takes me longer on MySpace because I don't check it as much, but uh, I will get to it eventually. Uh, you can Skype me at Titan Strides, username Titan Strides. And again, I don't have that phone number anymore, so you're just going to have to instant message me. That's the best way to do it, and I will try and get back to you. Um, best way is actually to go to the forum and register there if you're not already and you can ask questions you can put comments up there and i check that usually at least every other day so you'll, you'll probably get some kind of response out of me from there as well as other people there's all kinds of great designers all across the world up on the forum so uh definitely check that out and again you know thanks thanks for all the responses uh people telling me that that you like what we're doing here if you have any ideas of how to make it better uh, i'd love to hear them if you have any topics i absolutely need topics uh, i always say i want to podcast about what you guys want to hear about so please let me know if you have uh, ideas and uh, i will try and turn them into shows but i definitely need that I'm, i've been running out of topics lately so kind of scratching for scratching the surface for something to talk about so if you have any any ideas, even if it's a short idea, please send them in to me. I would very much appreciate that. And, uh, you know, thanks in general for spreading the word about this podcast. We definitely couldn't do it without all the great the great community that we have backing us here. And, uh, you know, I always hound you guys and ask you to tell everyone you know. And I appreciate it when you do that. You know, it means a lot that uh, 
you like this podcast enough, you think it's a good enough podcast to recommend it to somebody else. And uh, that includes actually sending an email to the email program, uh, whoever the publication is at the time. And right now it is Blogger and Podcaster Magazine. And I'm not going to read that email again. Please just go to rookiedesigner.com slash rookie. Look in the show notes and click on the link. Uh, this one is a weird one. It's hard to say. So I say just go to the go to the website and click on the link and it will pre-populate your email for you and write a nice letter about us if you can. All right. So thank you once again. And just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's high. Mm-hmm.